0: Decoded. Founder, tech Decoded.
1: Founder tech Decoded.
0: Founder Tech
1: Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. When reaching out, sending a deck, or pitching a VC like me. Let's dive
0: in. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded. I'm delighted today to have on the episode Eamon Kerry, who is one of the most experienced people I've come across in the early stage space. Whether that's with Techstars, uh, with The Fund, or Terra Ventures, Eamon is consistently active and has been a founder himself in this space, continually advocates founders backing founders. What this means is people in charge of capital have sat in the seat of a founder and can therefore better evaluate and understand the needs and the anxieties and the intricacies that a founder faces when raising early stage pre-seed and seed funds. So Eamon Delighted to have you on the podcast, Uh, really great that you could be here, and um, looking forward to the conversation.
1: Thank you, appreciate the uh, opportunity to to say hello and say a few words, and and thank you for the very kind intro as well.
0: No problem. So let's go a few years back, because I think one of the uh, interesting things that we could talk about is you have quite a a long um, perspective into where we are now let's go back four or five years ago, before kind of all of this movement that you know, that we're calling a shift towards founder tech, and we, we can get into that as well, and maybe even challenge some of that. Um, what did you see as um, some of the, the the ongoing inefficiencies, and barriers, and kind of mystifications in the space that you thought actually um, could be re engineered and, and better, be, better purposed?
1: Sure so uh, without wanting to to make it sound like this is a kind of US versus you know European thing that time frame is kind of interesting so so I moved out to New York at the back end of 2015 to run one of the Techstars programs out there um and it was a really kind of eye-opening experience so I was in New York for for most of 2015, back in 2015, 16, 17, um, and spent a lot of time in in that ecosystem and 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 a little bit of time out on the on the west coast. And then I came back to London at the start of 2018 to run Techstars London. And the difference that I saw in the two ecosystems was pretty pretty stark at that point, right? Um, and I remember the biggest thing that, that that I took away from it was in these kind of mentoring sessions that we would run at Techstars and in these kind of investor sessions that we would run. When you brought people in in the U.S. and you were kind of debriefing them after they spent, you know, a bunch of 15 minute sessions talking to to 10 companies in the U.S. They would come out of those sessions and they would be talking about the potential. Be like, oh, if this company does X, they can achieve Y. And if they talk to this person, it could lead to a deal. So they were talking all the time about the the potential. Right. Like it was it was real excitement. And then I remember coming back to London in 2018. You would sit in the same meeting. People all they saw were the problems. I was like well if they don't do this then it's never going to go here and if they don't hire this person it's never going to go there you know and and the the challenge i had was that you know at its core or at their core i should say pretty much all early stage companies are kind of basket cases right like there's there's always a bunch of things that are going okay and then a much larger bunch of things that are basically on fire and you have to stack rank the things that you put out first and so of course they have problems right like that that's the inherent nature of of starting a business you're not starting a publicly traded company on day one you're starting an idea with you know a friend or a couple of friends and 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 you're trying to build a kind of scalable repeatable process etc from there so that was the the big difference and and the more i thought about it the more you know the one thing became very painfully apparent was that the majority of people who were kind of mentors and angels and and even you know a lot of the people who were running early stage funds in, in new york at the time were people who had been founders themselves or operators themselves in 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 companies um and so they were you know in many cases actually just a little bit more excited um and i think one of the challenges was you know when, when when i came back to europe that it was people didn't quite always have that same mindset and i think that's why they saw more more problems than than potential and so that was the kind of big you know turning point for me that was the point at which you know 2018 was when i started this deal flow newsletter that I that I started where I was kind of trying to share deals with a wider group of of kind of founder angels and and operators and and also a lot of US funds when I moved back to Europe were saying, Hey, can you share some deal flow with us? Like share these awesome companies that are in Europe where valuations are lower, you know, we we see the opportunity as being enormous, but we're just not getting visibility. So that was I suppose my, my somewhat limited contribution to founder tech was kind of going, hey I have this platform where I see companies. I have this network where I have VCs that want to invest. And so, you know, my blunt instrument was was kind of making making introductions, and and that was largely just down to the kind of what I viewed as the the, the inefficiency in 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 the market here. Now, thankfully. That inefficiency is, is in the process of being resolved it's taking maybe longer than any of us would have liked it to take but um increasingly now you know you see these operator funds and and you know what Tavin and stan and others did with plural that was announced this week like m- more and more of of that kind of us mindset um of founders backing founders is, is is making its way over here um and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with folks who have more of a financial or business background making investments that it's great right but i think there needs to be a balance the, the disparity is that in in the us it's like 60 or 70 percent of partners at early stage funds have been founders or operators before and in europe it's less than 10 percent and so i think we need to you know kind of address that disparity a little bit if, if if we want to improve the lot of founders here
0: there's a couple of um points in that that kind of was so interesting how uh, how these things come up in um different conversations that kind of echo each other and one of them that consistently comes up and seems to be, you know, absolutely core to the challenge here is that, and I hear you in this sort of problem to potential, you know, the, the, that mindset is that, you know, so much of pre investment is pre product you know, it has to be by its very nature, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it, they're, they're, it just simply hasn't got the, the metrics of product market fit. However, in the UK, there are lots of angels who don't necessarily understand that and therefore are about ev- trying to evaluate founders through the lens of product market fit. And um, I think what you're saying about if you're a founder, you intuitively um, and intrinsically know that because you've sat in that chair where you know you aren't, that, aren't at that stage of the journey. You've probably faced all these sort of questions and your deck's gone back and forth and you've been asked for your MPS and your customer lifetime value. I know we, I know you've just done a startup lexicon, which we'll get to in as well, but, I do think there is this. Um, uh, it's not. It's not talked about enough. But the in the angel community, how many angels are actually sophisticated enough to understand this, the stage in which they're backing? Um, not necessarily the risk per se. And that's another conversation. But just simply to understand the stage that they're addressing, and that you can't ask a founder, you can't want to back a founder early and then ask them for things that they can't possibly show you. And I think that's kind of caught in what you're what you're saying, and perhaps what you're saying the US understands better or has understood better than over over here.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it 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 is a it is a major challenge and I I do think that um you know the the UK Business Angels Association, you know, SUB, like there's a bunch of people who are trying to do more um angel investor education. I know, you know, Jason Kalkanis does a, a great job in the US and and lots of others like we did it at Techstars as part of the kind of rise of the rest in the past running kind of programs where we would Bring angel investors in from different places and go. Look, if you were evaluating a pre-seed deal, you cannot run a you know DCF analysis on it, right? Like you cannot expect right. them to have you know a, a CFO, right? You, you can't expect all of these things to be in place. Like actually, what you're analyzing is. The people behind the business and their ability to deliver upon promises, or your your estimation of their ability to to deliver on promises. Like if you're lucky, you might have a an MVP or a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand users or, or, or customers when they're raising. So I do think that there is a there is a real challenge, and and you know that hasn't changed an awful lot in whatever it is. You know, 17 years since I started my first company, and I remember talking to angel investors in in ireland at the time who were like oh we can you know we would put money in if you can guarantee us that it's going to be as good as big as google or facebook and i was like look we don't like we have a picnic table in my co-founder's back garden like i, I can't guarantee you <laughs> i can't guarantee i can guarantee a steak at barbecue if you want but like that's that's kind of about it right right but that was the that was the mindset and it, that was the the challenge there was the majority of investors the majority of people who had money at that time that we were talking to in ireland were people who had made money from building physical objects in the landscape that people lived in or or, or worked in right or or they owned you know horses or, or whatever um so they didn't understand the mechanics of 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 the kind of startup world and i think that's the interesting dynamic that you see in silicon valley that you see in israel that you see in estonia that you see increasingly now here here in the uk and other parts of europe where now, the bar has been raised because it's people who have been founders and who have made money from technology companies that understand what a pre product market fit business looks like or what the founders might you know what are some of the characteristics the founders might have. They're the ones that are now starting to put more money into the system, but it's still you know slowly but uh, slowly but surely, and there's still that challenge of you know a lot of those investors are 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 looking for data points and data sets that that just don't exist for a company that's like you know twenty minutes old,
0: yeah. So maybe we could just sort of A B, but focus on the, on the B of like when you're in, say, something like the fund, and you're evaluating um, an opportunity, early stage opportunity, and there's you know a bunch of you in the room that have all been founders. What does that feel and look like uh, compared to you know uh, a traditional venture? firm where that might not be the case and they are trying to apply these metrics what, what, what's the difference let's just focus on the difference of the conversation what does it look like what are you looking at what are you evaluating i'd love to kind of have a window into that room
1: well, i think you know with the with the fund even even with terra ventures you know a lot of what we're evaluating at a pre-seed stage like if i think of you know very early company raising say less than a million um you know maybe one two three people and and in some cases, still a pitch deck, in some cases, maybe a product. Um, for the most part, we're evaluating the the people involved in the business. So who is this? Why are they doing this? What is their level of kind of understanding of the market? What is the kind of balance like of the team in terms of here's a person that has an idea, here's someone that can actually build it, here's someone that can execute. So a lot of the evaluation is around kind of the the team and the people and our assessment of their ability to actually do something and 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 move the needle. And so a lot of the the you know data points you're looking at are, are effectively kind of conversations with people. Um, you know one of the, the the nice things now with Terra, where we generally you know we lead these pre-seed deals, um, is having the ability to go look. I'm going to get in a plane and go to Helsinki or Stockholm or, or or Tallinn and sit in a room with the founder and and the rest of the team for a day and and talk to some of their early customers and you know really build conviction around them um so a lot of the conversation is around the kind of the who and the the why of 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 the business not always quite so much around the the what they're doing because you know in 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 many cases these pre-seed companies they go through two or three minor or or major pivots um so there's a little bit of analysis of the of the what and, and obviously if they have some initial traction if they have some initial customers or or users or partners etc then we can kind of dig in on what sort of feedback are they getting from people what sort of customer discovery processes are they running how are they how quickly are they learning and and iterating um you know those are all of the things that 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 really matter again you know at at pre-seed stage in many cases you don't you don't really have very many appreciable kind of conversion rate metrics or uh, retention rate metrics or any of those types of things, because in many cases, the company's, you know, weeks, maybe, maybe months old. So you're looking for proxies, right? You, you want to talk mm. to potential customers, existing customers, you know, people that have worked with these folks in the past to get a read on, on kind of, you know, what they're like. You, I, I love looking at people's, you know, product roadmaps, but also their hiring plans. Like how realistic are their hiring plans? Do they already have a bunch of people in the pipeline for the, um, for the folks that they want to hire, you know, all of that is the stuff that we would look at. I suppose in 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 some of those um, meetings for for the fund or, or Terra, um, I think in 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 bigger funds, and certainly, you know, I've I've seen this with, with folks that we've co invested with or, or people that have invested in companies that have gone through TechStars. You know, they're they're looking for, in many cases, data that in most cases actually doesn't exist to try and kind of get to. Uh, Get to a decision point rather than you know some of the more uh, maybe it's not necessarily emotional or gut reaction stuff that, that 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 we would have gotten to but um i think in some cases they're looking for cold data that the company doesn't have versus you know what we would view as kind of indicative data about the the, the people behind the business and the the processes and structure um and systematic nature that they're adopting or or, or not uh to to running a company at an early stage
0: i heard a, a good phrase for this um yesterday um it's called subsurface uh, cues which i really liked that they they're in these conversations that's what you're looking for subsurface cues and one of the things one of the things i'm interested in, in exploring for the founder is how where they can have agency right where lots of times founders feel powerless and you know particularly if the first time a lot of founder tech is kind of about increasing that agency or their ability to interact or amplify and all these subsurface uh cues the 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 founder can indicate to the investor to kind of really open up the conversation where it's really expressive and and honest because the investor's gone well i i now trust this person can operate at a level to not only communicate their business um, um and their proposition but actually as an individual there there's something you know there's more there, there's some more substance there do you do you, do you get wrong i i just quite like the praise but and i i quite i think it's a whole category in itself as to that really gives um founders a, a a methodology or like I say a more much more interested in agency that they can claim early on and kind of elevate themselves through that agency. But
1: yeah, I I I, I mean I couldn't agree more. I, I think, you know, I, I wrote a um I wrote an article for TechCrunch a couple of years ago kind of going, listen, founders have to do their due diligence on who's giving them money for, for a bunch of reasons, right. right? Not not least as happened in in the last four or five months. You know, if you're a company that has taken money from a fund or an individual that has connections to Russia, well now you're toast, right? Like if you you know, if you've done the same with money that's come out of other parts of the world and you're in the defense sector, you're never going to be able to raise again, right? So there's there's that level of due diligence, but then there's at a personality level and at a person level um due diligence that you should do. I, I always viewed it as like actually quite a negative signal if a company was coming to Techstars or into the fund or, or now into Terra that wasn't doing kind of some degree of, of background checking on me and not just with you know asking me to make an intro to a founder but actually actively going and finding folks um that had taken money from me before and, and and kind of asking asking questions because I think first of all we do it. Like I'll I'll ask a bunch of people questions about about founders. Sure. And I think they need to know as well, right? If if you're gonna take if I'm going to lead a million or two million euro round into your company and I'm going to take a board seat, you're stuck with me for basically two or three years. Right. And so you need to know what I'm like to deal with. What are the things that I'm interested in? What are the things that I'm good at, bad at? You know, what are the kind of red flags, etc. So I think, I think it's really important for founders to do that. And I think it's also, you know, really important for founders to do anything that allows them to, to be a bit more systematic in the process, right? The, the best examples of this that i've seen recently we we did a deal with a company in in finland that, that we haven't announced yet but um they had this incredibly detailed uh data room and and set of documents about the business that once we got to kind of the second meeting they shared some links once we got to the third meeting it was getting very serious they shared more but in that was the answer to basically almost every question that i or any of the other partners in terra would have had, right? I could go in there and see they'd written an essay on their kind of go-to-market strategy. They'd written a couple of hundred words on on their competitors and the, the kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of each. They had detailed financial models. They had all their contracts, et cetera, in there. And so, you know, that was something that showed me that here is a group of founders that have understood the fundraising process and what's necessary to be successful in it and have built some shortcuts to avoid having to have like 10,000 unnecessary calls with vcs they can just go hey here's a link to the notion page that answers your question about go to market or here's the link to you know a document that's going to show you our um you know our, our financial model for for the next two years so i think all of those things where where you can just give yourself a bit of an edge help because the way that you do the small things is the way that you'll do everything and so if you're that systematic for trying to raise money for me you'll be that systematic in how you go out and do sales and that is an incredibly powerful you know signal that you you can't get across in a meeting; it just has to be a thing that you
0: do. So, I mean, I mean that what you've just described them to me. I, I would say they've developed their own founder tech. and I think exactly what you're saying is what this, this um, Amrit from Simvan was calling these subsurface cues that, that are just there. And actually, that's what, as an investor, you want to be evaluating. The, the another aspect of that, which is kind of, again where the founder has agency, is like where they've built their own brand and thought leadership. You know, where which which can happen over, say, six months, and they've actually strategically positioned themselves um you know which 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 any savvy founder now can do as authoritative influential connected arriving at an investor conversation with that in place is again it's something you can control you can, you can have agency over but it's incredibly impressive um to meet a founder who has that and can demonstrate that and that that feels quite interesting as well as about elevating that kind of behavior um so founders start to start to understand that as well like just before they start to raise they should be engaged if they haven't already got that in place they should be looking at things that they can do to strategically kind of leave for that i'm assuming again you know when you come across the founders with that that's immediately puts them ahead
1: yeah i think it it certainly helps like if you can you know if you can build your i suppose it it, in some respects depends on the founder but if you're if you're building a consumer business or depending on the the b2b business etc you know having some degree of you know personality brand expertise or, or or kind of fame in that space is is incredibly helpful and if you can do that you can build a brand around your company if you can leverage a pre-existing audience that you have then that's a short circuit for potentially getting to your first couple of hundred or a couple of thousand customers or partners or users so you know absolutely like i think particularly you know if you can do it in a way that's super interesting in a sector so, so for example the the guys from selden that went through the Techstars barclays program a couple of years ago um operating in the kind of machine learning and ai sector where it's notoriously difficult to hire talent because the salaries that are on offer from some of the larger companies in this part of the world are um you know astronomical i think is is a polite way of describing it but they had built this london tensorflow community where they hosted events they were hosting kind of networking parties etc um and so they had hundreds of people thousands of people in fact on on their mailing list that that they were kind of connected to and and so when it came time to hire they had this kind of instant community of people that they could go to like it's all of these little things you know again it's the the how you do the small things is how you do everything like yeah. these big little details um or little big details i should say uh that that make a huge difference when it comes to you know us making a decision on a, a, a on a company on a go or no go basis
0: so let's move to language um and um obviously congratulations on the, on the, your book, The Startup Lexicon, which in itself is essentially a piece of Poundate, right? So it's an alum key or a cipher into this world that can seem so obtuse um, and opaque because of language. I'd love to get your view on that, why you think so much of the language is so hard to understand, even if you're relatively sophisticated, you're always gonna come up against an acronym that you, you don't quite know, you have to process in your head, oh, that's what they mean, um, you know, like, I, I had something this morning that was the PMV, you know, post money value, and it took me like thirty seconds. To, oh, that's what they're talking about. But for a founder, you know, um, who who's um, who's who's new to the space, um, this can seem, you know, kind of bewildering, right? So I'd love to kind of know how you and Ken, you know, started to tackle. Again, the conversation you had about why to write the book, and then when you wrote the book, almost like Samuel Johnson, what did you decide to include in it, and how was how that how is that decided? Um, I'd love to hear a bit about that.
1: Yeah, I think I think the challenge is for for a very long time, probably for you know fifty or sixty years, since certainly since the kind of venture capital and kind of tech boom started in the in the U.S. post post well, I suppose in the fifties and, and kind of early sixties the world of kind of the, the tech industry was at this intersection of a Venn diagram between the financial world and and the the technical or kind of computer science world, both of which are fairly complicated universes with their own unique languages. Yeah. And so as a result, we have this kind of um, a hybrid technology language that, that borrows from computer science and, and physics and, and all of these other places. And then the kind of, financial world and both of those are universes that love an acronym as well so not only do you have like actually incredibly complicated words you then have like pmv or cac over ltv or all of these other kind of acronyms that make actually a simple concept even more confusing because then you have to explain what ltv means or pmv etc um and so it was i mean i wish i could take the credit for it but it was actually ken sent me an email back in in april of, of of 2021 asking to to meet up for for a chat and so um when I met him, he was talking about this, this idea for the, for the book. And it struck me that it was, it was something that I heard every single year when we ran a Techstars program, we would have, you know, founders coming to me after meeting their first set of mentors or investors and saying, listen, they're asking me for, you know, this, this, and this, and I've no idea what they're talking about. Or they're asking what I raise on an ASA or a safe or yeah. um, you know, and, and like, I kind of want to say yes, but I don't know what I'm going to say yes to. And so, you know, I was always kind of sending people links to different definitions or trying to explain it myself or recommending different things. And it kind of struck me when Ken talked about the book, um, that this was something that is a kind of essential primer for people, whether they be founders, whether they be in academia, whether they be in corporate, like anyone from lawyers to, 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 to founders that have a kind of interaction with this kind of world of, of tech and startups and everything else, um. And so it was just a very compelling proposition. And I was lucky that the reason Ken wanted to meet was to kind of ask if I would be interested in, in kind of writing the book along with him, which which I was, because I, I knew that ironically we we had kind of product market fit before we had the product, right? Because I I, I knew from inadvertent customer discovery that this was something that that people really, really needed. Um and I think it's something that will naturally, like all language, it's it's evolved. Like since we've released the book, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with other VCs or founders who are like, oh, do you have this word in there? I'm like, that, that word didn't actually exist when we went to print, right? So right. Uh, there will be, you know, I'm sure a second edition or some sort of ongoing, um, you know, kind of version of this that, that we do because it is sometimes needlessly complicated um, and a little bit kind of. Uh, opaque from a from a linguistic perspective um but it's because the 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 kind of tech world you know still exists at that intersection of of, of finance and technology it's just that the technology part of the intersection now has everything from you know, blockchain and web3 right the way back to kind of semiconductors right and and so the industry has gotten more complicated and and the, the number of phrases and terms and uh things that move from from you know very specific industry vernacular into the everyday just continues to kind of increase at, um, at pace. So I think it's a, it was a really interesting, i mean a really interesting challenge for us to try and distill those words down into very short definitions and and that's why we we did the book in the way that we did where there's a definition of a word but in many cases then we have you know a founder an investor you know someone in 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 the in the tech world going here's here's a longer story of how you know i see bridge rounds or here's what i think about proof of concepts so we kind of tried to illustrate it as well as just having the dry like here's a definition
0: i i'm imagining now you're in a massive wall of post-it notes where you kind of <laughs> going back and forth as to what's event with all these weird acronyms on it and sort of like people walking in thinking you've gone crazy you know like on a one earth it's all of this weird language like an epi- in the world. episode of x files with like just yeah. little di-
1: lines of string in between them yeah exactly it was, that's it what was, I'm seeing. yeah it was it was you know th- there's um it was a great process to go through actually because as we went through it you kind of discover words that in some cases kind of phrases that i would have bandied around that I kind of went oh yeah actually like I've never never actually fully thought about what that really means and and in some cases kind of when we did Some of the stuff that never made it into the book is kind of the origin of of some of these words. And so I think there's there's lots of interesting stuff that we've uncovered. And and hopefully, you know, certainly the reviews that we've seen so far and uh, the feedback that we've had, uh, I mean, the feedback that we've had from friends has been great, but they kind of have to say that. But the feedback that we've had from total strangers, thankfully, has been has been very, very positive as well. So, you know, fingers crossed that continues to be the case and that the book kind of demystifies things for for some people, because, again, you know, we touched on it earlier this industry needs to become more diverse and, and and more inclusive and it can't just be people who have a PhD in physics or you know masters in in data science that are starting companies it has to be everyone and and so you know access to information about the language that you use therefore needs to be kind of democratized as well
0: there was an unfair advantage to founders who could speak this language this is, you know long story short if you could speak this language and you had a network you are were a quantum leap ahead you know, four or five years ago and beyond to any other founder coming into the, into the space. But the way I look at it now is is that where I see the future is, you know, almost like Airbnb in three, four years time, not Airbnb itself, but imagine, you know, you and I are at work, you know, we want to invest in a certain sector, you know, we have a particular point of view. Um, and we just are looking for the the four or five people in the world who are tackling that problem in a way, you know, aligned to our filters, exactly as you would sort of, you know, bring up properties aligned to your, why can't it work that way? Why can't it then us, us then go right there, those four or five people we now can talk to and we have tools to talk to them and, and those tools are understood and just like, you know, this is a double-sided marketplace, but it, just like, you know, property host and person looking for property, why can't it be that efficient? And once it is that efficient, because I, I believe that's where we end up, then it, it does include everyone because if you're working, on that space and you are the right you have that founder market fit you're the right founder fixing that right the problem at the right time then suddenly you can be seen and then if you have other tools to then connect and communicate that are you know much more much easier to engage with and understand and then you can actually get to that kind of those subsurface clues and that kind of deeper conversation where both party both parties and this was to your point earlier that comes up a lot can evaluate each other and therefore that must that must sort of amortize into the whole sector right if you if you kind of extrapolate out and then suddenly, I do think you have a way of tackling the nine out of ten failure rate, which whether that's true or not has been bandied about, because you have suddenly got a totally different set of dynamics that are informing the landscape. That, that's that's where I see this all heading. I'd love to. Be, I'm cognizant of time, but I would love to kind of get your view on that. If you think we could get to that place, or my vision is, you know, challenge that, or whether you think that's actually, yeah, why why can't it work like that? Because I can't see why it can't work like that personally.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think there's there's a ton of challenges for for founders when we think about you know building and and scaling a a company and i think on the investment side of things like discoverability is one and that's on both sides of the table right so you have you know openvc and and landscape and grit.io and and kind of databases that are that are out there but that you know and and are doing a a great job of, of kind of aggregating information about about vcs um and then you have kind of debut sessions, seed stage, accelerators, you know, all of these kind of different people aggregating information about about startups. And it's still um I think that's still pretty nascent. Um, you know, I, I like what um Joe and, and the folks at Landscape are doing with, with this kind of open scout program is 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 super interesting now. Right. So I think there's there's this kind of access to information about deals and and for startups, access to information about which VCs are actually open, right? Like there's there's a lot of Frankly, there are still a lot of people playing VC, like people who have no dry powder, who haven't got a new fund and, and who aren't going to invest, but who don't want to admit that and so are still taking meetings. Um, You know, so hopefully as landscape and others evolve, they'll be able to go, well, actually, yeah, these are the funds you want to talk to. These are the partners. And, you know, the kind of ranking and rating system certainly certainly helps with, um, with some of that. So I think there's a discoverability problem that, that needs to be solved. You know, I even, the, the first meeting I had today was with a founder who was kind of going, hey, who are the... Precede uh consumer investors in Europe and you know I have a long list of them but it's it's probably not it's probably like 25 percent of the actual maybe it's 10 percent of the actual number that's out there like they should be able to go and, and and find a database that they can access that information on that's that's comprehensive and updated so I think that's one problem I think um and then on the VC side like that was what I was doing with the deal flow email that I'm now trying to kind of reimagine what what phase two of that looks like then there's the question of like once you have money how do you scale and and I think um, you know, the canonical example of, of building community around that is is what YC did with with Bookface and um and the kind of community that they have. And so trying to think about how to um build again versions of that, like Landscape have their uh, founders community. There's a there's a ton of kind of founders communities. We have a pretty active Slack community with the fund for for the portfolio companies that we've backed. Um and then there's a bunch of stuff that happens later on in a business's life, like, you know, how do you hire the best people? How do you, um, you know, micro-acquire and, and a couple of others now doing interesting stuff around MA and 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 exits, whether it be for companies that are not working or companies that that, that want to acquire other businesses. So I think there's a whole stack of tools that, that need to be built. It feels like a lot of the focus right now is on the kind of um, – Discoverability of investors, etc. I think what what the the bridge guys and a couple of others are doing around intros is is really interesting, um, and opening up networks in in a way that you know affinity and others have tried to do in the past. Um, but I do think that we will see more and more of this process becoming democratized because you know we t- we touched on this before the podcast. The reason that I started mentoring and and the reason that I started running techstars programs and and the reason that I do what I'm doing now is that I want to be the person that i wish had existed 16 or 17 years ago in in dublin right like i, I want to be yeah. the type of yeah. mentor or investor and i like i'm by no means perfect i don't even know if i'm 10 percent of the way there um but that's the the goal that i have and i think one of the interesting things about this kind of recycling of founders into angel investors or into second or third time founders or into founders who are solving problems for for other founders is that i think a lot of them are doing it for the same reason they are people who are going oh my god why why is there no database, right? Why is there no ranking system? Why is there no intro system? Why is it so hard to do A, B, or C? Um, and I think that's really interesting because it's people solving problems that they experienced very viscerally. Um, and I think most of the people who do that, like they're motivated to walk through walls to solve those problems. And uh, I think the opportunity is 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 huge. So I think we'll see an explosion in in uh, in these types of tools and and platforms and communities over the next kind of two or three years.
0: Yeah, um, well, that feels like a, a very appropriate place to to, to wrap. I, is there anything um, before we get to the APIs? Is there anything specific around any of the funds or or the book that you'd like to? We'll, we'll put we'll put in the show notes obviously links. Um, but is there anything that you you know? So any founders listening to this, or any investors listening to this, that you would kind of like to, to direct them to? Um, it doesn't have to be.
1: I mean, the, the the good thing about being called AIM and carry is it's good for SEO. So, I, I mean, if people are interested, if people are, are raising or, or want to kind of hear about some of the companies that we've backed at the fund or Terra or elsewhere, feel free to. to I mean, I'm, my DMs are open on Twitter, uh, easy to find on LinkedIn, like always happy to yep. to hear. And, and for Terra, definitely anyone who's kind of got an idea in the Nordics or, or Baltics, um, ping me. I'd, I'd love to have a chat, even if it's even if it's not a fit for us. I, I might be able to point you towards some some good
0: folks. Okay, that's great. And let's just close on APIs. So any books, podcasts, people, documentaries that you've, you, you've, you currently tapped into or have been on your radar that you just like to recommend just two or three would be great.
1: Yeah, so the, 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 the book that I tend to recommend to every founder is, is a book called Obviously Awesome by a lady called April Dunford. Um, and it's a book about positioning. Um which kind of feeds into your branding and, and, and messaging um, and marketing of the company. But it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible book. It's, it's a, you know, has a lot of um, uh, processes that you can actually run that, that I think will give you real insights into the the business that you have and and how to actually position it and what you're really doing and, and how investors and customers will see it. So uh, highly, highly um, recommend that in terms of, of podcasts, you know, I'm sure everyone has kind of recommended, you know, the, the, the 20 minute VC and, and, and lots of others. I mean, I listen to the consumer VC that that Mike Gelb um, hosts quite a bit, you know, I'm, I'm interested in consumer businesses. And so always interested in in what folks are doing in, uh, in that part of the world. So so that's definitely, um, definitely good one. There's also like a one about uh, fraudsters in France called persona that I'm listening to at the moment, which is a bit of a break from, uh, from all things tech, but is a, very interesting insight into how easy it is to manipulate human beings um so those are um those are all of the ones that are kind of keeping me uh keeping me occupied at the moment
0: awesome um well, that's that's great amen thank you so much for your time it's been really really interesting conversation i i totally agree with the mission to make more people who have been founders uh people who are investing in founders i think that's absolutely vital shift and an important dynamic to this. Fanatech conversation. It's great, great to have had you on the podcast, and I really appreciate your time.
1: Anytime. Thanks very much for having me.